Hello, my name is Andrew Laposha, and welcome to the Twilight Years. On today's episode, we will be talking about the death and final years of singer, comedian, and actor Dean Martin. There's no denying that Dean Martin was great. He was the king of cool. Seriously, that's what they called him. And it's not hard to see why. He had a unique kind of charisma that seemed easy to pull off. He was a handsome guy, and he played the role of the playboy for a large portion of his career. He was a very popular singer with many hit songs. In fact, his song Everybody Loves Somebody Sometime knocked the Beatles off the number one spot during the height of Beatlemania. Not only was he a great singer, but he was a skilled actor in both comedy and drama. We touched upon his partnership with Jerry Lewis in the Jerry Lewis episode, but he continued to do well after their messy breakup. He also hosted a popular television variety show that ran from 1965 to 1974 and was roast master for the legendary Dean Martin's Celebrity Roast. He was part of the Rat Pack and formed lifelong friendships with Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. He always portrayed himself as a drunk and truth be told he wasn't that far off from real life. Throughout his life, Dean was married three times and had eight children, one of whom was Dean Paul Martin, a member of the 60s rock group Dino, Desi, and Billy. In the 80s, Dean Paul was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best New Male Star for his performance in the movie Players. Sadly, not much was done to advance his career afterwards, and he accepted virtually every role he was offered. However, Dean Paul achieved his lifelong dream by getting his pilot's license. In 1987, at 35 years old, Dean Paul was living the life he wanted. He had a good relationship with both of his ex-wives, and he had a son named Alex, who he loved unconditionally. On March 21st of that year, Dean Paul took Alex to March Air Force Base so that he could watch his dad do a low-level bombing practice in an F-4C Phantom Jet. He flew off with three other jets. However, as those three jets returned one by one, Dean Paul's never did. It had disappeared off the radar nine minutes after takeoff. Dean Paul was reported missing. For the next four days, the family waited for news in anticipation, as did the news media. Dean stared silently at the phone while drinking scotch and smoking a cigarette, waiting for a call. Search and rescue helicopters went back and forth through the mountains, hoping to find the wreckage. Dean's friend, President Ronald Reagan, sent a top spy plane to do some searching. At one point, Frank Sinatra called Dean to offer help. Frank's mother was killed in a plane crash a decade earlier, so the news hit him hard as well. Four days later, Dean Paul was declared dead. A colonel from the Air Force base went to see Dean and his ex-wife Jean, who he had remained friendly with. The colonel told them the jet had disintegrated when it crashed into the side of a mountain during a blizzard. There were no survivors. Dean was crushed by the news of his son's death. Some say it was the beginning of the end for him. He showed up to Dean Paul's funeral looking frail. According to his daughter Dina, it was the only time she saw him cry. Actor James Woods gave the eulogy. Sinatra was too worked up to attend, but Sammy Davis showed up. After the funeral, Dean learned that Jerry Lewis had been in attendance. Dean placed a call to Jerry, and the two spoke with each other for two hours. At the end of the conversation, they said that they loved each other. At that point, it was safe to say that they had officially buried the hatchet. In early 1988, Dean was visiting Frank and Sammy in Paul Springs, and they came up with the idea of a Rat Pack reunion show. His fellow performers felt that this would be exactly what Dean needed to take his mind off his son's death. 
He was not too thrilled, but agreed to do it. The tour, to be called the Together Again Tour, would play through 29 cities. It sold out very quickly. Almost immediately, there was difficulty. Dean had always been used to playing nightclubs and theaters, while Frank had recently started playing stadiums and arenas. Dean felt uncomfortable in that type of environment. Also, Frank loved to have parties after the show into the early hours of the morning, whereas Dean preferred to go to sleep immediately afterwards. The tour opened in Oakland, and while the fans gave Dean a warm reception, it was obvious that Dean felt out of his element. As a result, his performances were not up to par. After the sixth performance on the tour in Chicago, Frank insisted that Dean come to the lounge, saying, if you don't, I'll set fire to your bed. Knowing that could be a real possibility, Dean went. He felt very out of place at the party. He did not want to be there. After the party, he phoned his manager and requested that he opt out of the tour. He then checked himself into the hospital for an old kidney problem. Sammy and Frank continued the tour with Liza Minnelli replacing Dean, retitling it The Ultimate Event. A short time later, Dean was back to performing solo at Bally Grand in Reno. It was the way he was used to, but reviews of his performances were not good. When Dean performed at Bally on his 72nd birthday, a surprise guest came out on stage. It was Jerry Lewis pushing a giant cake. The crowd went nuts. Dean was unable to hold back tears and the two men hugged. Jerry said, why we broke up, I'll never know. Dean agreed with that statement. Dean made an appearance at the Shrine Auditorium at a tribute dinner for Sammy Davis. Sammy was dying. I may cover Sammy's death on a future episode, but he was unable to sing anymore due to cancer. He also had a plethora of other health problems. Dean made a brief appearance reading telegrams and then he left. Dean visited Sammy at Cedar sinai which was a lot because he was terrified of hospitals. Sammy died on May 16, 1990. Dean was deeply saddened and was a pallbearer at the funeral. By the early 90s, Dean's health was declining. He was forced to give up golf, a lifelong hobby of his. He developed back problems and became deeply depressed. He moved to a smaller house, hoping it would help. He spent most of his time relaxing in bed watching TV. Sometimes he would play pool or go out to dinner. In September 1991, Dean performed his last live shows in Las Vegas. He was noticeably gaunt and tired. He found his schedule too grueling. He canceled his final shows and never performed again. At his doctor's recommendation, he was admitted to Cedar sinai for tests in September 1993. While there, a scan was done and tumors were found on his lungs. He was given months to live. Along with that, he was almost deaf in his left ear. One night, his daughter Dina brought over some homemade pasta fagioli, his favorite dish. Much to her surprise, he declined, saying he didn't like the taste anymore. He also gave up smoking. As news of Dean's health made the news, the tabloids began watching like hawks. They would constantly run stories about health scares and would wait outside restaurants for him. Dean didn't seem to mind. They were just doing their job. Despite his grim prognosis, Dean managed to stick around for two more years. The end was near by late 1995. He was unable to attend Thanksgiving with his family because of a recent chest infection. On Christmas Eve, Dean talked to Frank Sinatra on the phone. They laughed a lot during their call and Dean ended with the word goodbye. That night, Dean's ex-wife Jean was hosting a lavish Christmas party attended by several A-listers. Dean wasn't in attendance. He just wanted to rest and have a quiet few days. As the party winded down, Jean lamented that Dean couldn't be there, saying it wasn't like him to do that. 
At around 3 a.m. on December 25, 1995, Christmas morning, Dean began coughing. His nurse went to go check on him, and then she went back to sleep. When she woke back up a short time later, Dean was dead. He was 78 years old. The funeral was held on December 28th at 7 p.m. at Pierce Brothers in Westwood. The funeral was invitation only and no press was allowed, though that didn't stop them from standing outside the chapel. However, the lights were dimmed on Las Vegas Strip in his honor, something that Dean would have loved more than the actual service. Dean's body wasn't at the funeral, but an Italian flag and a photograph of him were in its place. Rosemary Clooney opened the service with a rendition of Dean's signature song, Everybody Loves Somebody Sometime. Shirley MacLaine spoke, opening with, Well, the last time I spoke to Dean was an hour ago, and he said everything is fine. The statement provided some much-needed laughter. Greg Garrison, the producer of Dean's Variety Show, also gave a eulogy, as did Jerry Lewis. Jerry's eulogy was very emotional. Frank Sinatra did not attend because of ill health, but his daughter Nancy and his wife Barbara went in his place, though they sat in different areas of the chapel. Others in attendance included Don Rickles, Bob Newhart, Tony Danza, Dom DeLuise, Angie Dickinson, Janet Lee, and Charlie Sheen. Dean was buried at Westwood Village Memorial Park, close to his parents and to his friend Marilyn Monroe. His plaque reads, Everybody Loves Somebody Sometime. It's a fitting epitaph, not just because it's his signature song, but because it's a statement everyone agrees with. Everybody loved Dean Martin. Thank you all for listening to The Twilight Years. Please don't forget to subscribe. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. The links are included in the description of this episode. If possible, leave me a review. If you have any requests for somebody you would like to see talked about on this podcast, let me know and I will do my best to get to them. Thanks again for listening. My name is Andrew Laposha, and I will see you next time.